Hi and welcome to the Homeopathy Health Show. I'm Atik Ahmad Bhatti, a fourth generation homeopath with over 25 years of professional experience and practice in this field of healing. The Homeopathy Health Show is the online voice of homeopathy around the world, promoting and raising awareness of this truly unique system of healing, which is suitable for all ages, young and old. Every week I invite guests from the world of homeopathy to come and share their experiences, their work, offer insights and essentially talk all things homeopathy. Why not visit www.liketreatslike.co.uk and click on the radio and podcast button to listen to the latest episodes. So let's begin today's show here on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio. My guest on today's show is Mary Greensmith, who is the founder of an acute homeopathic platform called Homeopathy 247, which provides access to a qualified homeopath wherever you are in the world for emergencies and acute conditions, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mary is also a podcast presenter and hosts the Homeopathy 247 podcast. Mary Greensmith, founder of uh, Homeopathy 247, a homeopath, well-traveled homeopath, I must say. It's a great delight for me to have you on my podcast, uh, podcaster to podcaster, I suppose. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. I have so many questions for you, um, but where shall we start? I think the best place we could start is possibly your journey to homeopathy and what led you towards becoming a homeopath, your interest? Okay, yes, I actually came to homeopathy quite late in life, having used homeopathy for animals much earlier in my life, I didn't really associate homeopathy for people until much, much later. And it was whilst I was living in Cornwall, that I started working with herbal remedies and different um, things in a job, a clinic that I was helping in. And suddenly I thought, I really need to study more. So I actually started looking for a course to study something that was of interest to me, rather than the usual way of coming into homeopathy, which of course is is using it first. Um, So um, it it, it was a really strange one because of course, 30 years previously to that, I had used homeopathy because I had a small holding in North Scotland and I had the book, a self-sufficiency book. And in that was all the Ainsworth. Um, contacts Mm. for different remedies. So I had used homeopathy for animals and then forgotten all about it. So when I rediscovered it, I was absolutely over the moon. And I think a lot of homeopaths say, don't they? Once they find it, it's like coming home. It's like finding the thing that really fits with you and all of your ethos. It, it's so very true what you've said, and, and it's almost like a calling. So many homeopaths I've had on the podcast have said it's almost like a calling, and it's uh, being in the 
right place at the right time, or in fact, even in the wrong place, but at the right time. And uh, all of a sudden, they've been introduced to to this uh, system of healing, and and it's just clicked. And and yeah. that's so wonderful, isn't it? It's just, it's just, it's just so amazing. And and I think people know as soon as they start to use homeopathy, they know that it fits with everything that they believe. But nobody has ever acknowledged that before nobody has ever come forward and said oh yes I believe that too or there is this um method of 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 medicine um that would fit with with your beliefs so yeah it's it's a real discovery you know I wonder as you were saying that I was just thinking that most homeopaths perhaps have prescribed using globules or pillules or tablets and and it's amazing, isn't it, that something, you know, sucrose or lactose or, or a mix or whatever, or even in just drop form in, in some water, can be so miraculous that, you know, let's leave common colds and acute conditions aside, but even chronic conditions that people have suffered from by taking something so simple. And that's actually one of the beauties anyway, to make it simple. They're they're cured of, of their ailments. And how incredible is that? You know, 200 years plus on and it's just amazing that there are so many new discoveries within homeopathy and new remedies and and research is going into it more and more and new discoveries are being made every day. It's phenomenal, isn't it? We are so lucky, aren't we? Mm. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> life now without homeopathy, without that choice? Um, I just am so thankful that... I have found it, it has found me, and we live in this day and age where it's easy for us to, um, to to have homeopathy and contact with homeopaths and so much learning. It's amazing. Uh, Mary, you know, there's something very important that you mention in your bio, um, and I quote, when I was 21, I found a little small holding in North Scotland and moved into the mountains to learn more about living from the land. I have a strong pull towards self-care and self-sufficiency. I wanted to learn how to live life without all the trappings of modern-day culture. You know, I find that fascinating because 21 is a relatively young age. And for you to be thinking like that, which is a very mature way to think, I, I, I must say, you know, of course, congratulations for that. And, and uh, it's very admirable indeed and also very inspiring for those listening who are of that age. But what was that pull that wanted you to, to become so connected with being self-sufficient? <laughs> that, that's such a good question. I wish I'd known you when I was 21, because my family thought I was absolutely crazy. In fact, <laughs> I don't think that anybody really understood what I was doing or why I was doing it. And I certainly didn't know anybody that was doing it. I didn't come from farming stock. I didn't come from, um, you, you know, um, other people who were interested in this. And I could only put it down to the fact that actually I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't want to work in an office. I didn't want to, um, you know, have the, the normal um, jobs. I didn't want to have a nine to five job. I wanted to live my life how I enjoyed it. Now, I had grown up with horses 
dogs, cats, um, and, and that was it. But when I went to college, I actually ended up doing racehorse training, which is quite a bizarre thing. And then with that came, we had to do grasslands and farm management. And from that training, I thought, "Mm, okay, I can shear a sheep, I can um, debud the the horns of of calves. Um, I could actually do this, I could actually go and and just you know, live in the world, live without people, live um, and and just look after, concentrate on on what food I want to eat and swap with people. And so I was very lucky and I got the chance to do that at a very young age. Um, It actually, for me, is part of a manifesting thing. I do have this... uh, um, you know, opportunity to think of things and it happens. And I just loved it. And what was funny about moving to Scotland was it was quite unusual for women to be farmers. And I had the farming qualifications, which meant that I was entitled to certain um, grants and um, subsidies. But they had never given these grants and subsidies to women before. So I had quite a lot of persuasive conversations in order for them to understand that actually I quite enjoyed doing the work as well as uh, having the paperwork. How many years were you, were you, um, for want of a better word, uh, at peace, I suppose, because, you know, you're one with nature if you're self-sufficient, and so, and like the you know wonderful narration you've just given, it's it's all about um, using what's around you and making the best of that. And that, I mean, that's amazing in itself, isn't it? I mean, isn't that the, one of the best skills? I, I know, coming from me, it's different because you've you've done it. So, but literally coming from the outside, it's very inspiring. And and I wish more and more people would actually think like that. It's so so important to know what who one is to understand oneself to um accept oneself you know yes yes sorry i i i completely agree with what you're saying but i haven't ever thought of it as being different i haven't ever thought of it as as something that other people don't do so i guess it's something that always has been with me and i suppose that with farming training it just meant that i understood um where all my food came from what was in season um and and to me um you you have what's available and when you have a lot of something it's abundant you use a lot of that you you're of course, this was in the 80s and 90s. So especially in North Scotland, you couldn't buy oranges and lemons. Mm. You, 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 you know, you could buy bananas, but most of the vegetables were the vegetables were, which were grown in Scotland. So you couldn't walk into a supermarket and buy, you know, have the full range of things that you've got from all over the world. It just wasn't like that. Um, at that time so 
we had the most amazing fruit and vegetable garden that you can possibly imagine. And, and you know, the, the soft fruits that they grow in Scotland is just incredible. So we would be eating strawberry um, pie for breakfast with cream because, I mean, we had a cow, um, an Ayrshire cow and two milking goats. We had 26 pints of milk a day and over eight pints of cream a day. Can you imagine? You know, <laughs> it's it's just quite different than you imagine now going to the supermarket and buying those things. And for years and years afterwards, I just couldn't bring myself ever to buy lamb from a shop because it just horrified me at how much they were charging when the farmer would only get so little money for, um, you know, putting putting a, a, a lamb through the markets. It seems like you were um, living in an abundance of good and, and everything natural and pure. And that's that's really beautiful. And and. As you've said, you know, for you, it was normal and, and it's nothing new. But with this lifestyle that the majority of us find ourselves in, uh, in urban areas, certainly, you know, overpopulated and everyone is overstressed and overworked and being pushed and pulled in different areas. It's so much more important now to connect to nature. And and I think, Mary, I mean, uh, what are your thoughts on, on what I'm going to say here is that the need for that is because it's time to try to become simple. That doesn't mean you you give away your iPhone and you don't watch, uh, you don't have a TV. I'm not saying that, but what I mean is there should be some sort of connection and some sort of thought process to, well, let me go back and ground myself because, you know, this is what it's really supposed to be like. And, and, and where am I? You know, what am I doing? Because life goes by like with like this, isn't it? It's so fast. Right? Exactly, exactly. And the, the strange thing is that time and money only belongs to humans. Nothing else on this earth ha- are, are, are influenced at all, ever, by time and money. And is time and money the, the situation, the, the, the thing that is taking us away from actually our purpose in life. Um, and if we can discover who we are, what we are, what happens, what makes us, what makes us whole, what makes us feel good, then, um, yeah, it really must help you, mustn't it? Be, be a more healthy person and, of course, be able then to help other people um, because we've got so much more to consider with the environmental um, problems of the world at the moment. I think we, we're living in, in a in a in a world at this moment in time, with obviously wars are going on and uh, deforestation is a, and, and climate change is a big thing. We we've seen that in recent times with the heat waves and and so many other things, flooding and and you know it's never ending the melting of the polar ice cap and but. It's so important to be grateful for those things, but we it's almost like they are not important when actually without them, we can't survive. So at the end of the day, you have to go back to your roots because everything else is just human advancement. Like you've correctly said, you know, working money and, and food. Mm. And, but if we, if we don't have a planet to live on, 
um, that's we are literally the planet is being destroyed. Mm-hmm. It's it's being destroyed, and it's us. It's our fault. We're the ones who are who are uh, negligent and not giving the due respect to creation and and to people to one another. Everyone's out for their own interests. And I digress. So I do apologize, but um, the listeners know I, I go off on a tangent. And here we go. I'm on off on one. But um, you know, it's so important not to 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 leave your roots because the roots are what make you. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And and the world we live in is our world. And if we're not going to love it and care for it, who is? Mm, absolutely. There's been some research, which you're probably aware of very recently, that talking to plants actually does have a benefit to them, to their health. And this research has been going on for years, of course, but recently it's been a bit more, let's say, out there, you know, in the news. And when let's say the, the now king charles iii but at that time he was prince prince charles when he mentioned this in the 80s um it was it was like a almost like nonsensical but how true it is you know just to love just to give love and and it's you know i don't want to make it sound like uh, cheesy but it's so very important there must be a reason why we talk about love, love for each other, love for creation, love for the planet, because it means something. There's a positive energy in those four letters, isn't there? Love. Yeah, absolutely. And and yes, plants and and livestock, um, and for us as well. That that communication, um, I think, just helps helps everything. Um, it's so important for us to um, love ourselves as well as um, other people, other animals and plants as well. Yeah, definitely. It does sometimes make me wonder, well, doesn't everybody do that? (laughs) (laughs) You know, this takes us nicely on to you living on a boat. And I've, I've read that you spent a number of years living on a boat, and also working. So do share what that was like, because again, that's something very beautiful. And just before the recording, we were sharing the fact that there's there's a there's a place I go to uh, locally, which, um, you know, where, where I always, there's a lot of boating going on. And I always find that I, I engage with the people on the boats, you know, just because I'm mm. inquisitive, and I want to know what's that, what is that feeling they have? And why do they want to do that and, and leave everything and just stay on the water you know sleep sleep on the water live on the water eat on the water okay okay yes it's it i think it's something that everybody should try but um the the reason we first went to live on a boat was because i was qualifying as a homeopath and we lived right down in the bottom of of cornwall um in a, a very rural area and I didn't think it would be possible for me to have a homeopathic practice right out in the in the middle of nowhere. So um, my husband at the time as well was was teaching in Falmouth, the, the local town about 30, 40 miles away. And so we thought, oh, do we think we've got to go and live 
in Falmouth. Well, neither of us had ever lived in a town before. And it was quite a, you know, I'm not sure whether I could live in a town. So I said, well, why don't we live in a boat? Now, my husband is a sailor. He has sailed since the age of five. And I am absolutely not a sailor. (laughs) I was absolutely terrified um, of, of boating. But Falmouth is a lovely, lovely coastal town. So I thought actually living on a boat overlooking the town would be perfect scenario. So he agreed and we bought a big um, old um, motor launch, wooden um, gentleman's motorboat. And my husband spent three years doing it up. Um, sanding it down and varnishing it and and redoing it and putting in three lots of heating systems because it was so cold. Um, And and I set up my homeopathic practice and actually a multifunctional clinic as I finished my training. And so I worked in the town. And then within a couple of years, the practice was so busy that it was almost chucking me out. So I had to begin seeing my clients by video in the boat. And I thought, hang on a minute. If I can do this, my boat could be anywhere. I don't have to be tied up in the town. So, well, this, of course, became a vision. And I thought, well, what about if we had a sailing boat and sailed around the Mediterranean? How would that be? So my husband said, oh, okay, if we must. Um, So we bought a a catamaran. We sold the clinic and bought a catamaran. And that's what we did. We went and spent three and a half years sailing around the Mediterranean. And I saw my clients by video um, using Zoom way before COVID happened and everybody else was using Zoom. And it meant that I could start seeing people internationally rather than just locally. And my 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 clinic really took off and was and was busy. So it was a fantastic opportunity. Um, it was my husband's job to make sure that we always had internet um, and we always had food and water. So Um, That was his job, and that kept him very busy making sure that happened. But actually, Greece is amazing. Um, Out of the 200 islands that we visited, there were only two where we didn't have internet. Um, We had a satellite system on top of the boat. We could get internet 20 miles offshore. Um, It was brilliant. It worked a treat. That's so, so brilliant, honestly. I was going to ask you that when you were consulting with patients, did they ever wonder where you were? Because a well, boat can never stay still, right? I'm sure there's a bit of uh, uh, movement. Um, there is, but we were on a catamaran, not a monohull. So it, we didn't tip. Hmm. Um, so the only time it was apparent, apart from me only having this much space, um, you know, just a couple of foot and not being able to turn. Um, but I but I set it up nicely so that it, it looked good. Um, the only time dif- difficult, I suppose, was in the winter, we would have to be tied up for three months. And occasionally in the wind, the ropes would go 
<laughs> e? E? And, and <laughs> so occasionally they would hear the ropes. And, and really, that's it. That, um, you know, it, it worked very well apart from that. I was never sick, um, you know, or, or seasick at all with the weather. Um, we were very good at finding the right place. And we lived about eight or nine months on anchor. So not even close to to um, to the land. That's such a beautiful story, honestly. I mean, from the the, the beautiful countryside of Scotland um, to, you know, just truly being connected and being able to actually travel the world and at the same time be able to serve humanity by traveling the world and be able to serve humanity through homeopathy. That's so, so good. I mean, really, that's very inspiring indeed. And I think uh, I can't wait to share this podcast with everybody because that's that's something that's very different and unique. And uh, I think it sets a precedent that everything is possible. And going back to homeopathy and, of course, the fact that we can use Zoom or, or WhatsApp or, mm-hmm. you know, to make video calls and have consultations and it makes life so easy. It doesn't, you don't have to be stuck in, in one place because it's not about the place. It never is, is it? It's about talking to one another and having that consultation. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and I thank um, the universe every day for me living in this time so that I can do this in the way that I can do it because you know it we, it is such such a beautiful opportunity to be able to do this and and I for years I had said I think I should have been born 200 years ago because I would be quite happy not having any of the trappings of the modern day I'm I really love the thought of of you know, not having electricity, not having, um, you know, mains water. Um, but I love having internet. <laughs> I, <laughs> I cannot deny that it makes me very happy being able to connect with other people who are interested in the same things. And I wouldn't be able to do that if we didn't have this opportunity. Absolutely. And every guest that comes to my house after a, a short greeting, the first question is always, do you have Wi-Fi? You know, I've yet to say no, because I want to see what happens. But uh, I, I'm just too too nice. You know, I just say, <laughs> I mean, come in, we've, got, we've got it. You can share it, you know, <clears throat> send them the invoice afterwards, you know. Yes. <laughs> Mary, um, now you did do something, again, very beautiful um, when you were traveling. And that was uh, whilst in Greece, in fact. And that was to work with refugees um, who were stuck on the island of Samos. Now, I was talking to um, someone recently on, on one of the podcasts, and they were also talking about their work with refugees in Europe many, many years ago. And I myself went on a um, humanity, humanitarian convoy in 1994 during the Bosnia War. And we went through Europe by road, and we ended up in uh, a camp called Nagyatad camp in Hungary, which was housing refugees. But do share, because, you know, it's a very, it's it, it's a turning point, isn't it, in, in anyone's life to be in that situation. And then to also realize that in the majority of cases, despite all that horror and terror, people are still smiling, right, after having lost everything. You know, the the 
the beauty of the human spirit and, and to carry on is just amazing, isn't it? A phenomenal. Yes, yes, it's quite incredible. Um, where I was in in Greece one winter um, was very, very close to the Turkish border. And Turkey housed three million refugees. Um, and obviously we were only Greece was a mile away, this this island that I was in. So so a lot of um refugees would would make that journey um and end up in Greece. And it was very, very tough. Um it's very emotional, actually, just thinking about it. And I don't know, you know, mm. you, you still hear news reports now about the way that they're treating the refugees. But it's very difficult because they have very small camps and they have the camps made for 800 people. They would be having 8000 people. Mm. And the island would only have 3000 people. So you can imagine the difficulty of, of actually this situation. And in Greece, nobody's allowed onto the camps, but the people in the camps can come out into the town. So in the town, they will set up lots of um, lots of charities that would provide food and clothing and dif- different things um, for, for the refugees. And in that situation, I was able to help in a, a woman's um, group that provided food and shelter and um, just somewhere to be during the day. Because when they went back to the camp, there might be up to 10 people in one tent. And the tent was on the side of a hill. Um, and it was just very, very difficult um, for them. And yeah, it was a very humbling experience, really. It's uh, you mention about you say something very nice, uh, very um, profound, and uh, you know it makes one ponder and think. Where you say, you know, we live in a very volatile world, and it takes only one horror to change your health, your future, and your whole world. And how true that is from a small. God forbid, uh, you know, road traffic accident to the horrors of war um, and being a refugee to, you know, injuring. There's so many, there's millions of examples, but, you know, it it can have such an effect. Of course it does. I mean, it, it has to have an effect, but I mean, it's hard, isn't it, for those people to be able to, to try to pick themselves up. But, but like I said, they do, they are always smiling. Yeah, they, they try. They they're trying, and despite what they've gone through, and it's nice to be able to serve people in that situation who are less unfortunate. One has to do everything possible. I think you know, give up whatever lifestyle you have, and and go and and do that for them. You know, the most the most amazing thing was that quite a few of the charities and the helpers, the lawyers. Um, they were previous refugees. Um, the people who had travelled that journey before stayed there. Um, they were learning several languages um, at the same time. And then when they were given a ticket to work or to move to somewhere, 
they would say, no, we want to stay here and I want to do training in this and I want to help more people. And it, it was it was just incredible. As a homeopath, um, I was obviously pulling on um, different people to help do translations and mm. some very young people um, in that situation as well. Um, and it, it was a full sense of community. Um, how can people help each other um, with, with you know, whatever you have to offer? There is something that, um, that, that people need. You know, goodness is one of those things that we are all born with. And I was speaking to just somebody yesterday and we were having a similar conversation. And I said, it's amazing when I think about Dr. Hahnemann and he moved 30 times in his lifetime, more than 30, and um, the persecution he faced. And yet he, because of that commitment to service to humanity, to ease suffering, he came up with a system, despite the hostilities and, and everything, all the abuse and everything. That's, uh, you know, it's all available as far as the history is concerned. And 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 having to move from here, left, right and centre and lugging across your luggage. And he was also at times a, a refugee. And yet, look what he gave back to the world. And this example that you've given where some of the lawyers or the doctors were previously refugees is, mm -hmm. is another example goodness is there isn't it it's just it's so wonderful and it's so inspiring yes yes absolutely and um you know just the opportunity that that we can have as you say to meet these people to work with these people and to help where where we can when we can now that's led to something very um very, very great, I think, uh, in that you have founded something called Homeopathy 247. So do share what Homeopathy 247 is, what it's about. I don't want to give any spoilers, so I'll let, I'll let you do that. <laughs> okay, okay, that's lovely. Thank you. Well, whilst I was in Greece, while we were tied up, um, March 20, and obviously had been starting to um, treat people with particular bad flu that winter, suddenly um, COVID um, was, um, uh, was started to be talked about. And I, I was wondering, well, why haven't we got an acute system? Because we're certainly going to need it now. Now, this has had been something that I had been talking about for a little while, because living on a boat, it was fine for my consultations when they were planned. It wasn't so great for acute situations when I needed to talk to somebody and I hadn't got things planned and I wasn't quite available. So I had been looking for a system for somebody to, um, uh, preferably in Australia, so that when I was sleeping, <laughs> they, they weren't and they could look after my acute clients. Um, when COVID hit, it suddenly, um, okay, we need this system and we need it now. So I put a message out on a homeopathic group and I said, okay, guys, we need, we're going to need a lot of homeopaths very quickly to be helping people around the world. Who, who will do it? Who will help? And I had 33 homeopaths 
stick their hand out and say, yeah, I'm in. So within three weeks, we set up a website and a whole acute platform where we could take consultations using Zoom. Now, of course, not many homeopaths had worked internationally at that stage. Mm. So we had to set them up with online calendars, online recording um, um, and Zoom and payment situations where they could take payment from any um, a- any denomination as well. So um, it was hard work. Um, suddenly my husband he didn't know what to think you know there I was living the life of Riley working two and a half days a week having you know just the right amount of clients to enjoy a um, a really relaxed life and suddenly I was working seven days and 19 hours a day trying to get everybody up and running and going and it's just been amazing. We've had over 110 homeopaths um, working, of which 96, I think, are still in the team. Because once you find a community of homeopaths, it is so rewarding. So we do lots of different training things together. And we're really helping um, people to find homeopathy. And the biggest thing that has come out of this is that we have built a wonderful, wonderful homeopathic community online. And we have over 100,000 followers. Wow, that's amazing. And and how how is that going? I mean, is it is it quite busy? I mean, for people using using that platform or that service, homeopathy 247? Yes, it's a 24 hour service. So we're split up each day is split up into four hour sections. We have two homeopaths on duty and we have an emergency um, line so that other homeopaths can join up if it gets busy. And we also um, help um, homeopaths build up groups and communities in, in certain areas as well. So um yeah, it's it's going great guns. The homeopaths love it and the community are very, very grateful that it's there. And uh, you know, it's it's really good for all of us. There was a moment, a time when I had to ring homeopathy 24-7 to get help for me while I was waiting for an ambulance after an injury. So um, you know, you never know when you're going to need it. Fascinating. If uh, the listeners want to find out more, or they actually are in need of a homeopath whilst they're on, whilst they're traveling or in different parts mm-hmm. of the world, um, how do they engage? How do they contact? Yes, have a look for um, www.homeopathy247.com, and you will find us. We've also got a Facebook group called Ask a Homeopath, and um, you will find it. And and you will see on the website, there is a homeopath there on duty waiting to talk to you at any time of day or night. That's wonderful. This this leads me to the question of you seem to have achieved a great deal. And, and again, you know, hats off to you and congratulations and may long continue and may you come up with many more initiatives which can really make a difference to people's lives. But uh, what about writing a book? 
<laughs> is that um, something you've you've thought about? Funny, you should say that. Yeah, <laughs> we um, we're just setting up at the moment. We've just set up a publishing company um, with um, the first um, challenge that I wanted to achieve was to write um, two people who already know about natural remedies to introduce them to homeopathy. So to put homeopathy into the the wider field of natural health. So um, so we've got a series of books coming out, which is natural remedies for skin or natural remedies for gut health, natural remedies for immunity, which covers a broader aspect, but includes homeopathy, because it's my belief that that more people need to know about homeopathy, more people need to know about that choice. Um, so yes, that's the start. And of course, there's quite a lot um, there that we can go on with with different books. I haven't thought about it about my my life and my adventures before. But um, having talk, spoken to you about it, there's, um, yeah, there's a little bit there. Well, I'm known to give good ideas on this show. Even including a reality show as well, I mentioned to to Tracy Simpson in New Zealand, who's a homeopath farmer. And I said it was just amazing the work she's doing with homeopathy on her dairy cows. And I said, why don't you have a, 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 you know, create some video reels, you know, like a reality of uh, wellies on the ground, literally. And what uh, what's involved, you know, because it makes a big difference. Like I said to you offline, just before the recording, you we're going to talk about this actually next um, about the podcast. You yourself are uh, a host of a podcast, and uh, and you're on on my my. I'm very fortunate to have you on my podcast today. But it's it's working together, isn't it? It's creating that buzz and that drive, and and giving that knowledge and sharing that wisdom and and knowledge and experience and insight. Because you don't know who in which part of the world is going to think, oh, I want to do that. And even if it's just one person or it's 10 or it's a million, it doesn't matter. It's the fact that, you know, starting with one, somebody's life is going to change dramatically and they will become very much at peace and they will become very compassionate for humanity. And and compassion leads to, you know, grace. Grace, you know, leads to humility, humility and so forth, doesn't it? Being grounded is is what I'm really trying to get at, you know? It's so, so important. But... uh, I was going to ask you that uh, on the platform Homeopathy Two Four Seven, there's also eBooks available, which uh, I've also had the pleasure to look through. Um, do do tell us more about that. That's an opportunity that you're providing. Um, yes, absolutely. What what we're doing really is hopefully introducing people to homeopathy and helping them learn a little bit more about how homeopathy can help. Um, what sort of things it might be useful for. So when people join our Facebook groups, we want to give them the opportunity to understand what the group is about, how homeopathy can be used, the types of things that people can do themselves, the types of things they're going to need professional help with. So that's what the basis of the ebooks are about, really. It's about introducing the whole aspect of homeopathy and helping people just understand that they have got a choice in healthcare. 
And those ebooks, of course, are available on the website itself to download. Yes, that's right. They're, they're free of charge. There's a whole lot, whole host of, um, of information on the website. We do, um, free webinars for people to join live. We do courses. We do the ebooks you've already mentioned. And of course, the, the podcast now as well. Oh, very, very, uh, the timing was perfect, Mary, uh, because that's the next question. Uh, podcast. So from one podcast host to another, do share the Homeopathy 247 podcasts, which are wonderfully produced, I must say, because I have seen them. And uh, they're very engaging and very informative. So how did that idea actually come about? Okay, so the, the yes, our podcasts are really to just introduce our team to our audience. So, you know, we're communicating with people quite often, but it's usually just a chat message or something else. And I just thought it would be lovely if people could actually meet some of the team and and talk with them and it really does allow people into your room doesn't it our hours are, are video as well they're available on on youtube and it allows people just to be wherever they are whatever they're doing they can up and just pick up something that they didn't know before and that's that's all we're trying to do is just help people join our community because we have so much fun talking with other people about homeopathy. So I'm sure that's what our community wants to do as well. It's just that opportunity to connect. It's it it really is. It you're absolutely correct. It's it's very much about that. And the homeopathic community doesn't just mean homeopaths now, does it? It means the home prescriber. It means those even thinking about or looking into studying homeopathy it's uh it's huge it's you know no wonder it's the second largest system of medicine in the world because you know so many people are using it if they're not using it they certainly know about it or they've done some fringe courses just to get to grips with it you know Yes, that's right. And and because of the internet now, we are able to come together. And this hasn't been possible before, but I think it we're seeing an explosion because of this communication. It's, and it's that brilliant. can only be good for homeopathy, can't it? Absolutely. Uh, Mary, it's uh, been an absolute joy uh, to have you on the podcast today. I can't wait to, uh, or should I say, I'm very... Um, I'm very uh, keen to share this as soon as possible, you know, uh, and uh, let everybody sort of know about Mary and uh, what you've done and what you've achieved. And again, congratulations for everything that you you are doing in the service of humanity with with Homeopathy 247 um, and all the other engagements that you're involved with. Best of luck, of course, with the podcast. And uh, I do look forward to having you on the show again in the near future and perhaps we can delve in a bit deeper to some of your experiences and insights lovely thank you very much for having me lovely to talk to you it's been great thank you so much i do hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of the homeopathy health show please do support the show by clicking follow on my socials remember the more exposure the podcast receives the better for homeopathy around the world you can find me on Instagram by searching for at like underscore treats like and on both Facebook and TikTok by searching for at like treats like. 
So let's promote the voice of homeopathy on radio and podcast around the world together. Don't forget to visit me online at www.liketreatslike.co.uk and click on the radio and podcast tab. Here you'll be able to see all the guests that have joined me on the show so far. And of course, you can stream on demand the latest episode to your mobile, tablet or PC. Until next time, stay safe and take care.